Well, my friends, welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about solutions to problems. Every solution we pick will probably create more problems. And that's actually a good thing. But first, we're going to talk about an email from Brian. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. I want to talk to you today about a couple things, but before we get to anything else, I want to talk to you about an email that I got from Brian. And Brian wrote in and he told me that he was disappointed and sad to find out that I am anti-discipline. And I'm not sure where Brian got this idea, uh, perhaps from the fact that in some previous podcasts, I have said that I don't believe in false consequences, right? So little Johnny throws uh, a toy at his sister or spits at his sister or doesn't eat his rice. And so his parents tell him he can't have screen time for a month. I think that's a silly punishment. My wife and I were just talking last night about uh, someone that she knew that their child was three minutes late and they were grounded for three weeks. I don't know the history there, right? So there could be a consistent history of the child being late. And so this was kind of used to send a message, but rarely does that message get actually delivered. And if there isn't a history there, I think that's a silly punishment. I think it's an artificially inflated consequence. And so Brian, I don't know if you're still listening in my, in your email, you told me that you wouldn't be. Um, I did email you back and invite you to listen to this episode um, in the hopes that you would hear this and and maybe dialogue with me via email, which you didn't do. But I want to be clear, I'm not anti-discipline for your children, but here's my beef. So often I hear people talk about how they discipline their children and the emphasis of how they discipline their children is on the intensity with which they discipline their children. It isn't on the work that they did to connect the child's discipline to their behavior that was wrong and the behavior that they want them to change. They brag about how intense they were with their child. And I believe that that is a limited time return. In fact, I think it's almost a zero net return. And so because of that, I am anti-artificial consequences, but I'm not anti-discipline. I 100% believe that our job as parents is to train our children. And part of training them is to correct them. Part of training them is to point them in the right direction. Part of training them is to have boundaries boundaries around them. And we want to do this in a way that is congruent with what they're doing. And it's never about us. It's never about the intensity with which we were able to bring to the situation to prove our authority. This is why I've said in the past, if you're arguing from the, well, because I'm the parent, you've lost. In just a little short time, I'm going to go talk. I'm going to go sit on a panel and talk about how do we talk about technology, identity, and uh, sexuality to our third to eighth graders. And, And I, you know, I met with the group that we're going to meet and I said, you know, I'm the guy that's here that's like, hey, give them the device. Give it to him early and parent and parent. There was, I, I might've mentioned it in a previous episode. There was a guy who put up on Facebook. He quoted someone, I won't tell you who it was, but it's Matt Walsh. And I don't usually like to use those names because if you don't like Matt Walsh, you're going to discount everything that comes out of him. And if you do like him, you're going to agree with everything. But he put up this long diatribe about how it's just insane. No kid needs a phone and because his kids don't. That means no kid doesn't. It was full of logical fallacies. And here's the thing. I'm not arguing that Matt Walsh can't not give his 
kids a phone. He can if he doesn't want to. I just want him to be honest and admit that that's going to create problems that he's going to have to solve as well. And if you give your kids devices, that creates problems that you have to solve. Whichever solution you choose, and this is today's episode, whatever solution you choose to solve a problem will often create more problems that need to be solved because problem solving is part of life. M. Scott Peck once said that life is really a series of problems that needs to be solved and it is our job to learn to solve them and then as parents to teach our children to solve them. And so this is important because one of the things that I think can become our goal, maybe unexpectedly, or maybe at a level that we don't quite think about it, is that we're trying to eliminate all problems. I think one of the issues that we can have is that we're often trying to eliminate all of our problems. And if we have problems, we assume that we've done something wrong. And this is usually not a very good metric for whether or not we are doing something right. In other words, just because you have a problem, it doesn't mean you messed up. You might have actually made the right choice and that right choice might have led to more problems to be solved and that is perfectly okay and perfectly normal. The thing that ticked me off about the Matt Walsh quote was, and I don't remember, it might not have been Walsh, it might have been my the guy that I know via Facebook. I mean, we live in the same community, uh, we don't really travel in the same circles. If you live rural, you know what I mean. There, there's a lot of people that you know that live, you know, half hour, 45 minutes away. And uh, it's, one of them said, you know, what do you say, lazy parents? Implying that parents that give their kids devices are lazy, which I wouldn't argue with the idea that there are some parents who give their kids devices who are lazy, but there are some parents who don't give their kids devices who are lazy. And it's just easier to not give them the device to make blanket rules. I'd almost be willing to, they exist in probably the same percentage points. And that would be uh, uh, an anecdotal statement. That would be a gut feeling statement. That would not be a, a science back statement. So you could disagree agree with it and I really wouldn't push too much other than to say that my my experience would say that they exist in about the same proportion because here's the thing if I don't give them the phone or the device I have problems that I have to solve if I do give them the device I have problems that I have to solve. And sometimes people are just like, I'm going to just not have to solve those problems. What they don't realize is that creates other problems. And often we'll hear the rightness or wrongness of something being decided upon by the problems that it eliminates. And we'll imply that it's the wrong decision because it created more problems. And that can be a metric. It probably isn't the best metric. Or maybe I should say that it probably shouldn't be the only metric. But that does beg a question. So what does all this have to do with our lives, right? Well, let's start just with uh, relationships. A lot of times problems in a relationship that needs solved, they can think, well, maybe this relationship isn't worth it. And that's actually probably a worthy contemplation at some point. Somebody wrote in and asked me, hey, what do I do as an adult if I have an abusive parent? We're going to do a whole episode on that. And, and there is a time where you have to say, you know what? Enough's enough. I just can't do this anymore. But the fact that there are problems, that doesn't mean that the relationship isn't worthy of continuing. I enjoy washing my daughters navigate this. They they are amazing humans at this with their friends. Things come up. They work through the problem. Uh, they, they express the potential problems that their solution might incur and they move on. They continue to move forward. And that's something we have to do. But here's the question we want to ask ourselves. What are the problems that might come from the solution that I am considering 
taking? What are the problems that might come from the solution that I'm considering at to solve my problem? And that's a great question to ask because there are very few solutions that won't create more problems to solve. And we have to, if we can, we have to take those potential problems into consideration for our choice making process. That's what helps us be able to navigate the solution process. The other thing is to remind yourself that if you have problems that need solved, that's good. That's healthy. Uh, One of the things that I believe is if you're making mistakes, that's good because you're making progress. And if you're making mistakes, that means you are chasing progress. You're chasing movement. The only people that don't make mistakes, and that's a moxymoron because they're making a mistake that you'll notice and recognize as soon as I tell you what they're doing. The only people that don't make mistakes are the people that aren't trying anything. The people that are just sitting down and letting life pass them by. And of course, that in and of itself is a mistake. That in and of itself creates problems. So if you're weary, if you're discouraged, if you're if you feel overburdened because you have problems, take some heart in that life is problems to be solved. And if you have problems, that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. If you have difficulties and challenges that you're trying to figure out, that probably means that you're actually trying to accomplish something. And so that is really good for you. Good job. And and I really I can't say this enough because I want to normalize having problems for you. And then when we start to look at this as parents or if you know I I work with I don't know a handful maybe maybe about 10 college age students and and one of the things that they often do is they make decisions based on the problems in their lives well I'm not going to church anymore because the church has problems yeah it does Well, I'm not going there anymore because that's problematic. Yep, but what problems are you creating with that choice? And here's what I'm getting at. I've kind of danced around it now for a few minutes. Avoidance always creates its own problems. Avoidance is not of itself its own problem. And so when we flip the script from looking at ourselves for problems or how we're responding to problems, one of the things that we then need to look at is... What are we doing with problems for our kids? It is so easy for parents to fall into the trap of trying to remove all of their kids' problems. That doesn't work. That creates adults who don't know how to solve problems. Uh, As a parent, it is not our job to keep our kids in bubble wrap away from all possible problems, all possible hard situations. If anything, I would encourage parents, it's probably our job to eject our kids into those problems. Eject or inject. That would be a ponderous, I'm not sure which word. It, It is our job as parents to allow our kids to wade deeply into their own problems and do nothing besides say, hey, I'm here if you need me. I'm here if you need a sounding board. And I've talked about this in the past. We don't help our kids with their homework. We don't intervene in their relationships. Because if I do, I create problems that live beyond me. If I do those things, I believe I create problems that live beyond me. Now, there's a danger in doing it my way. I might create kids that are hyper-independent, which is not a healthy thing. I might create kids that are hyper-avoidant, which is not a healthy thing. But those are problems that I'm willing to risk because inherent in this conversation is the difference between problems that are possible and problems that are probable. And we've talked in the past about, you know, you have to decide what your accepted level of risk is in anything you do. If you uh, don't want to be an entrepreneur, that's your business. I have no, no, nothing against that. I know many people who probably 
probably shouldn't be entrepreneurs. I know people who want to be entrepreneurs and they should not be. But if you don't want to be an entrepreneur because you're like, I don't like the insecurity of being an entrepreneur, that's fine. You also have to admit that there is a level of un- of uncertainty to being an employee the rest of your life. You don't know for sure what's going to happen with your company. You don't know for sure what's going to happen. There are people that are employees for many, many years. I knew a guy, he, he has most of his retirement was locked up in stock options with his company, which when his company was exploding in growth, it was a wonderful thing. And then the company went bankrupt. And if you know anything about stocks, when a company goes bankrupt, that's not good for the stock. What happens when people ignore the risk? That's what we're talking about, right? And so when we talk about parenting, I believe that the probability of creating problems, if I'm constantly intervening, if I'm a helicopter parent or a lawnmower parent, is much more difficult than or much more probable, excuse me, I believe that those problems are much more probable than the possible problems of saying, hey, you need to go to the teacher and explain to the teacher that you don't understand your homework. Hey, I noticed that you and your friend are having a pretty big issue and I'm here to be a sounding board if you need it, but I'm not going to go solve that problem. And look, I want to go solve it for my kids. Don't get me wrong. I I want to go light some kids up verbally when they're mean to my kids, like probably every parent, but it doesn't help my kids. Whatever situation you're talking about, are you trying to remove all problems? Here's why this is dangerous. It's impossible. You can't remove all problems. So it is better to do some mental exercises about what are the possible problems? What are the probable problems? And what might be problems that aren't even on my radar? It's better to have those types of conversations w- with yourself uh, or with your, your spouse, your partner, your, your children, whatever it is, whoever you're having the conversation with, what are the problems going to be with whatever pro- solution we pick? What are those potential problems? Let's take a look at those and figure out what we're looking at in our life there. Figure out what is it that we are considering as a, as a solution versus what is the problems that will come with that, right? So if you ignore a problem, what are the potential problems that come with that? If you obsess about a problem, what are the problems that come with that? If you pick, you know, option A, here's how this would work. If we pick option A, what are problems that are going to come from us picking option A? Are these possible problems or are they probable problems? If we pick option B, same questions. Option C, and if you probably don't really go much more than three or four options. And then you make a ch- choice, you know, based on these ponderings, these thoughts, this is the choice we're going to go with. And then you have to evaluate it, sometimes pretty quickly. Sometimes you got to give it a little bit of time to run. What are the problems that have come from the solution we picked? Did we solve the problem? I often think about a town in uh, Australia that passed a law that you could no longer shoot rabbits because they're just so cute. And, you know, they're like humans. They have the same rights as us. If you can't tell, I think that's hogwash. Well, in about 18 months, the town was infested with rabbits. They couldn't, like, they couldn't go anywhere. You can look this up. They couldn't, uh, they, they, they were, there was a huge problem. A, they didn't solve the problem because rabbits were still dying because there wasn't enough food for them. B, they created some much bigger problems and they ended up like literally just being like okay it's open season for a year until we can get this population down they started trapping them they started shooting them they started to harvest rabbits with extreme effort and that created more problems and this is sometimes referred to as the butterfly effect it's not exactly referred to as that but but certainly people when they talk about the butterfly effect they're going to be talking about this every solution you choose has some more problems and that's what you have to consider i was talking to somebody about medicine 
And they were very upset because one of their family members was like, well, you know, that medicine's bad for you. And they were like, well, yeah, but so is my disease. And what I asked them, I said, well, you need to go back and ask the family member, like, how do I solve this disease without any problems? I, I have a very serious disease that probably isn't going to go away without medicine. Or in fact, it won't even go away with medicine, but it, I won't be able to manage it without medicine. So what's the alternative? And these are things you have to run. And sometimes you don't pick a solution because you're like, you know what? That solution has too big a problem that I don't want to deal with right now or that I don't believe is worth the gain that I will make in the solution. And that's also okay. All right, my friends, if you have any questions, feel free to write in and let me know. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.